Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 13th of August 2022, and the title of this episode is Wizards of the Coast Promise Monster News. Isgrim Creations is in the spotlight this month, as voted for by patrons, and the interview with Rod Rabel is up. And since Isgrim is running a Kickstarter for Twilight Fables, Mature Folklore and Fairy Tale Supplement, we had to talk about it. In this case, Rod calls Twilight Fables a mature game, as the stories of mythology and the likes of Brothers Grimm are pretty horrid. Children get eaten, for example, and these stories were designed to spook and be impactful. I asked whether we needed a rule system to make games mature. That's not what Twilight Fables does. Nor does Rod think people who want more mature games need such rules, but they can use them if they want. Now, the headlines for this podcast is all about the D&D monster news, whatever that turns out to be. And I normally cover freebies towards the end of this podcast, but let's delay that D&D speculation just a bit and stick with mature RPGs. Because the Red Room, which I've blogged about before, thinking they've been generous with free material and clever with settings, released a large pay-what-you-want with a recommended $0 price tag on a game that's called Wretched Bar Stewards. Now, let's be clear, the supplement isn't really called Bar Stewards. I'm just avoiding foul language on the podcast. In Wretched Bar Stewards, characters are sleazy, and they need to have stats named after sin, such as greed, pride, or lust. That's a good example of what I mean when I ask, do we need rules for this? I think the phrase, but it's what my character would do, is, if ever uttered, a suggestion that something went wrong. You shouldn't need to say it. And I think lust stats kind of skirts into that same excuse territory. You can run a levitious game without needing the excuse of the dots on my character sheet made me do it. It feels a bit like teenage boys not wanting to risk rejection. That said, I'm not sure all the designers on Wretched Bar Stewards identify as male, and I'm sure none are teenagers. Another freebie quick start is from Storm Bunny Studios for Bloodlines and Black Magic. There's a game that could easily have a mature side if you wanted it, and the Pathfinder Evolved rules focus on bits and pieces that we might need game designer help for, such as how magic operates and where the invisible city is. Now, since I seem to be on a mooning streak, let me rail into the official Stranger Things game. It was pitched to me as a role-playing game, and I went to see if it really was. I think the jury is still out. Yes, you take on the role of the character from the series, but it's really a card game about trying to recruit people into your team. It's the team names that make me ask, really, is this the best we can do? One team are called The Sane. They're not called Heroes, or The Free, or The Independent, but Sane. So what's the other team called then? The Insane? No, it's not as straightforward as that. Instead, go back to a pre-medical era where people thought that madness was caused by demonic possession. In the Stranger Things game, the other team are the possessed. Now, I just think it was neither in keeping with the spirit of the show, 
nor wise to link mental health to the supernatural world of Stranger Things. Netflix, I presume, signed this off, and I'm terribly surprised. I've had several comments in the article I wrote about this, none of which I approved from people who think I'm a snowflake. My favourite is when they comment again, upset that I disapproved their first comment, who's been a snowflake now. So, let's lift the mood and talk about some winners. The 2022 Ennies are out. The competition has nothing to do with Enworld anymore and is still pretty darn significant in the gaming world. The best game, Gold Place, went to Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Best writing, Gold, went to June Adventures in the Imperium. Best ruled, Gold, went to Colossi, a solo RPG adventure. All in all, it was a great mix of systems, genres, settings and publishers. You might call it a particularly diverse year of winners. Critical Role and Studio 2 Publishing carried the flag for 5e, but the D&D rules engine did not dominate. And speaking of D&D, they, D&D Beyond and even WizKids emailed to promise big news on the 18th. They said, Next week we will unveil some Tarasque sized D&D news with Wizards Presents. Tune in to D&D Beyond's YouTube or Twitch on Thursday, August the 18th to watch exciting announcements and exclusive reveals together. And the celebs involved include Jimmy Wong, Cindy Goodman and Ginny D. And that will all happen on the 18th at 9am PT. In potentially related news, there's a new D&D book placeholder on Amazon. It's one of those coming soon black books. That book is due out in December, and we do know that the Dragonlance adventure Shadow of the Dragon Queen was promised for the end of 2022 and is still to be announced, so it might well be that book. Two thoughts though. Firstly, is that really monster side news? And secondly, why D&D Beyond brand this? I mean, if it was Dragonlance was the big news, isn't that just D&D news? In fact, sorry, not sorry for the marketing news, there's even a Wizards Presents logo in that email. So in terms of brands, we've got Wizards of the Coast, Wizards Presents, Dungeons & Dragons, 5e, and D&D Beyond all in one message. Gosh. So, some theories then. It could be D&D Beyond news. Dicebreaker, a publication that absolutely would and could work with WotSee to line up messaging, recently posted about how the 50th anniversary edition, due out in 2024, will be more like D&D 5.5, not 6, and it will make some changes that not everyone will like. So if it's not D&D Beyond news, we might also get some D&D 5.5 news on the 18th, or both. What do you think? Let me know. I also got to ask Luke Gygax what he thought, but not about D&D 5.5 or the big news, as we talked before all that broke. In fact, I emailed back and forth between Luke and Matt Everhart. Everhart is the RPG designer on Gaxworks, and Gaxworks is Gygax's RPG publishing studio. Gaxworks has signed a licensing deal with Evil Genius Games to use Everyday Heroes, and that's the 5e D20 mashup RPG engine, recently crowdfunded and with official Pacific Rim, Rambo, Highlander and other big movie tie-ins. The Gaxworks game that Matt Everhart is writing, that will use Everyday Heroes, 
is called Strange and Grim, and it will be a war horror. Luke's just retired from the US Army, but I'm not sure how much of that experience will cease in Strange and Grim, as it's really Matt's game. However, I did get the chance to ask about changes in the RPG community to Luke, and he diplomatically said, any time you have a lot of people involved, there is some tension and conflicts, so our community isn't that unusual. By and large, I have found that gamers are good people who are often intelligent, caring and generous. I enjoy meeting people at GaryCon or other conventions and talking to them about the positive aspects of RPGs and how it has helped them. I am very fortunate to help carry on my dad's legacy forward. In other 5e news, Lord of the Rings is heading back there. Freely Publishing has confirmed the Lord of the Rings role-playing book will use the D&D system. And that's the road that the previous licensee, Cubicle 7, took. I've had many people tell me that D&D 5e is an awful system as a result. And yes, it's great to have opinions on RPG engines. Many years ago, I satisfied myself that systems are really what you make of them. And so I'm not able to find much energy for that debate beyond stating that I really like it when a game system encourages mechanics that overlay and add to the world setting. In Middle-earth, that would be a corruption system, and we've seen the One Ring do that well. Now, speaking of Cubicle 7, last week I mentioned they had a new Warhammer Games series coming out, and I made the usual point of asking when they would start to push their own IP by which I mean their own worlds and settings they could own. Neither have announced Broken Weave as a tragic fantasy. It will also be powered by 5e, but they've already said it will get its own unique system after a couple of years. Now, before we get on to the other half of the outro of bundles and competitions, I do want to talk about Demon Dog from Nightfall Games. That's a Morkborg setting, which had been announced a while back, but then put on pause after Kickstarter tightened down the rules about fulfilling projects before starting new ones. A challenging but ethical call from Nightfall. Geek Native has some exclusive art from the game to share, and you'll find the links to that via the show notes. In Demon Dog, you are a dead punk, but death isn't as final as it could be, as you, often, as you also signed a pack with a demon. Dying in the next few days will be a flash sale on Traveller 5. That's not the frustratingly shorthand for D&D 5th edition, but the 5th edition of the sci-fi Traveller RPG. That deal is good until the 17th. And the two Legacy bundles for the role-playing game Legacy are good until the 29th. Legacy is a generational game about rebuilding after the apocalypse. There are a few humbles I need to write up, but the one I carved time out for supports children in need and his big finishes a Doctor Who audiobooks. Time, by the way, is still pressing, and today is the last of my week off from my day job, and so it's back to work on Monday. I've been running around the Edinburgh festivals like a busy blogging bee, so next week I'll be geek native blogging, Edinburgh reviewing, and working. My messenger bag broke, pretty much a disaster, and I've got Tabletop Scotland as a convention to go to at the end of the month. If you can recommend our Messenger laptop bags, please let me know. Lastly, a competition for UK listeners in the shape of Book 2 of the Dying Squad is the Generation Killer. 
that's on the blog now. And on that note, may your laptop bags stay firm, and I'll see you next week.